Wasn't that awesome? That's what new life looks like. And uh, it's great to, to clap and cheer for Marge and Don, everybody who gets baptized. Um, but we're also cheering the, the work that the Lord has done in their life, right? Yeah. Um, a uh, new minister uh, got up to give his first message and studied, prepared, worked hard, wasn't sure how long to speak. So he went to the more senior minister and he said, Pastor, I've, I've studied, I've worked hard, prepare my message, God's laid on my heart. Uh, how long should I speak? And the senior pastor said, well, um, what you should do is pull a breath man out of your pocket and put it in your mouth. And uh, as it starts to melt, uh, that's, that's about when you wanna wrap up the sermon. So the young minister did that. He pulled the button out, or pulled the uh, men out and put it in his mouth and, and uh, uh, gets through a sermon and sits down and like an hour and a half go, had gone by. And he's like, what the heck? How, you know, how, did it, how did I go so long? And he, uh, he actually didn't pull a breathman out. He pulled a button out of his pocket and was sucking on a button. So just, just so you know, I'm not gonna go an hour and a half. I did bring my, my mints. Um, my name is Mike Applegarth. I'm uh, uh, pleased to be a part of this body, pleased to be a part of our leadership board. Um, you came in and you got one of these little dealy bobs, and that's what I'm going to refer to them the whole time. That's a big theological term. There's a pin on it. It says Mike Applegarth for Sandy Mayer. Um, I'm not running for mayor. I, I ran last year. Uh, I bought a thousand pins and never used them, so Feel free to take the pin home, and this is, I promise, not a, not a political speech. Um, so whenever I was a kid sitting in church, I, I confess that I was disappointed when there was a guest speaker. You know, you get used to the, the, the pastors and the staff at your church body, and a guest speaker comes on, and uh, it can be kind of, kind of uh, crushing. So if you knew I was speaking this evening and you still showed up, thank you. And uh, if you feel a little disappointed because Dave's not here, so do I. Um, <laughs> Hey, can I do this just for a second? My parents are in California, so I just want to say, if you're watching mom and dad, hello. Greetings from Utah. Thanks for being here. Uh, if you could hear my mom, she's going, oh, hi, Michael. And my dad is probably saying, oh, hi, son. Um, and then I want to introduce my other mom and dad. These are LaDonna's parents, Rick and Denise Austin. They came down from far west to be here tonight, so thank you. So... Here's, here's what's gonna happen tonight. I'm, I'm gonna take us through a few observations about God and about our human condition. And if you'll allow it in your mind and in your heart, the Holy Spirit's gonna tell you what he wants you to hear, not necessarily what I think you should hear. And then we're gonna put the word into practice. Um, this is not a Jeopardy board. Um, it's not gonna be, I'll take uh, lovely for 200, Alex. Um, I'm gonna ask you to be thinking about our scripture tonight, to be thinking about these good things, these categories of good things. Um, so as, as you're sitting there during, during the message, if you think about good things that fall into these categories, go ahead and write them down on your sticky notes. And uh, at the end of the message, I'm gonna ask you to do something with those, uh, but feel free to uh, write on those um, and uh, come up with those, those good things that God encourages us to think about. Um, 
So uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, pray and uh, ask God to uh, bless his word. Can we do that? So Lord, uh, thank you for K2. Thank you for uh, uh, gathering us together tonight. Thank you for your word and uh, your presence among us. We ask uh, in the name of Jesus that uh, nothing more uh, but nothing less than your will be done in our hearts and minds tonight. Again, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so let's start off. I wanna put the scripture up. If, if there's glitches with the, script, with the notes on the screens, it's all my fault. I'm not as polished as Dave and, and the, the rest of the team, um, and I didn't really give the Sill Store folks uh, the, the best information. Um, so if we have the, the Philippians 4, uh, six through nine. I'll go ahead and read it. And if it comes up, you can follow along. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. So I'm gonna start off by uh, giving you a little, uh, little bit of information about myself. Um, so I, I struggle with anxiety. Um, and I, I come from a, a family of warriors and I think I inherited it. And sometimes that anxiety can, can be pretty crushing. And in the past, it's, it's in, induced some pretty severe depression in my life. Um, mom and dad, if you're learning this for the first time, uh, don't worry, I'm still good. Um, so uh, the things I worry about now are, are things like my job, uh, my kids, uh, income. I read the news and I'm worried about world affairs. Um, but I'm, I'm the only one that experiences anxiety in the world. It feels like that, right? Um, but how, how many of you experience anxiety? What are the, some of the things that we worry about? Just shout them out. What are you worried about? Finances? Loud. I'm deaf. Yeah. There's a lot of things in this world that we can be worried about. Um, a National Institute of Mental Health study that I, I came across, which is actually somewhat dated, said anxiety disorders are the most common form of mental illness in the U.S., affecting 40 million adults, which at that time was approximately 19.1% of the population age 18 and above. And so think about that, 19%. After COVID, it's probably a little more. So 19%, that means one in five of us sitting in this room likely struggles with anxiety, controlling anxiety. And if that's not you, praise God, but you're likely to have this episodic anxiety where things 
creep in and take control uh, of your thoughts more than you find comfortable. So what does God want us to know about anxiety? That was my mission for this message tonight. And please know that I'm, I'm not trying to give you any kind of personal psychological advice. Uh, believe me, I, I know the importance of professional counseling and medical intervention when necessary. But what I want us to experience is a biblical view of anxiety, a biblical view of anxiety and the tools that God provides to help us think well. We wanna think well, right? This is gonna be interactive. You gotta get used to this. We wanna think well, right? Yeah. Um, I come from a Pentecostal background, so you're lucky I'm not asking you to echo an amen like every third sentence. Um, I'm gonna try to avoid that. Um, so the, the first thing I, I wanna uh, take our attention to is that uh, just like us, the, the people of Philippi were experiencing anxiety. Um, and as a result of their anxiety, God knew about that, right? But he uses Paul, Paul writes this letter to set that anxiety in its right context. Um, on this side of heaven, we're going to experience these anxious thoughts, but they do not and they should not, or at least should not control us. Um, in fact, think about anxiety can be somewhat of a gift. Um, it keeps us safe, right? We have this fight or flight instinct. It keeps us safe. It informs our choices. Uh, it can provide motivation for action or reaction. Um, and if you're doubtful about this, let me take you back just a couple of earlier chapters. Even Paul, the Apostle Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, experienced anxiety. And he's writing and he says to the Philippians, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So these are Paul's words. He's talking about Epaphroditus's distress. And if you look at the, the uh, old Greek, um, it means Epaphroditus was, had, a, had a very heavy emotional burden that he was carrying. Uh, Paul talks about his own sorrow upon sorrow. Think about that metaphor, sorrow upon sorrow. And those words really mean grief upon pain, right? That's, that's, that hurts, grief upon pain. And so Paul is eager to send Epaphroditus back to Philippi so Paul can kind of put this out of his mind and be less anxious. These are his words. So let me, let me be absolutely clear. Uh, you are not less of a Christian if you experience anxiety or even do battle with anxiety. Even the best of us, like the Apostle Paul, experienced anxiety. Um, the biblical record and, and his letter in particular demonstrates that our goal is not to achieve some kind of zen-like state free from all 
concern. No, our, our goal as Christians is to experience anxiety biblically and correctly through the right biblical context, using the tools that God gives us to think well. So how do we experience anxiety correctly? And what is that right context? God's presence is, a, is our context and his presence is our peace. I know that might sound like a platitude, but let me help get this into our, our souls. It's, this has been a really, really difficult lesson for me. Uh, eight years ago, my anxiety was uh, off the charts out of control, um, and I, I became severely depressed. And my thoughts even became dangerous and controlling. And in the, in the depth of my thought distortions, I began resorting to self-harm in order to kind of take back control. Uh, I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail there, um, but uh, my wife and, and other family and friends found out about that, and they intervened, and I began to get healthier. Um, and as I was coming out of that, I bought this ring, and I've worn it for all these years, and it's Philippians 4, 6. It says, do not be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And that's kind of been my verse for all these years. I even made a shirt with Philippians 4, 6 on the back, and I wear it to the food drive so uh, people know that I'm willing to pray with them. Um, and as I began to study and look at this passage more deeply, um, I, I realized that I was missing the boat. I was missing the major point. Um, if we can put the, uh, the uh, main passage back up there. Uh, he starts off, uh, be full of joy, but, but look at this. He says, remember the Lord is near. That's what precedes, do not be anxious, right? And so uh, the real translation there is, uh, remember the Lord is at hand. And that might sound familiar. If he was speaking Greek, Paul would say, hokirios agas. And that's, that's a, a possessive verb, which means the Lord is at hand. The Lord is near. It actually means the Lord possesses nearness. Think about that. He pos as part of his being, he is near. The same word that Jesus uses to announce the availability of the kingdom of God is the word that Paul uses here, egos, uh, to, to tell us that Jesus is near. So when Jesus announced the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he wasn't saying that the kingdom is coming or about to happen. He wasn't saying that it had just arrived. He's saying God's kingdom has existed in eternity past and will exist in eternity future. The kingdom of heaven is at hand means that we have a new accessibility to God and his effective will through the person of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite philosophers and theologians uh, puts it this way. Uh, he says, Jesus came among us to show and teach the life for which we were made. He came very gently, opened access to the governance of God with him, and set afoot a conspiracy of freedom and truth among human beings. Having overcome death, he remains among us. By relying on his word and his presence, we are enabled to reintegrate the little realm that makes up our life into the infinite rule of God. And that is the eternal kind of life. 
Caught up in his active rule, our deeds become an element in God's eternal history. They are what God and we do together, making us part of his life and him part of ours. So Paul is reminding us that Jesus is with you. He is at hand. His presence precedes your anxiety. His presence permeates your anxiety. And if you'll remember and let him, his presence provides peace within and despite your anxiety. Amen? Amen. So our job is to what? Remember. Uh, Remember Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He is present in our location. If you're a Christian, he is present in your very soul. There is nowhere he is not. He is closer than your own breath and you can rely on his presence and you can rely on his word. You can integrate your life, including all that worries you, all that anxiety, all that garbage, all that baggage into the infinite rule of God. Is that not good news? One of my favorite examples that Dallas Willard gives is he was a young boy growing up in rural Missouri and they didn't have electricity at that time. And he tells the story of electricity lines electric company running the lines out to his farm. And he says, when those lines came by our farm, a very different way of living presented itself, our relationships to fundamental aspects of life, daylight and dark, hot and cold, clean and dirty, work and leisure, preparing food and preserving it, it could then be vastly changed for the better but we still had to believe in the electricity and its arrangements, understand them, and take the practical steps involved in relying on it. It wouldn't be enough just for Willard and his family to see the lines run out in the farm field and think, well, that's pretty neat. They had to change the way they thought. They had to change the way they lived to rely on the at-handedness, the presence, the nearness of that electricity. Does that make sense? Excuse me, does that make sense? So God's presence is that way with us. If we will allow his presence to permeate our lives and our anxiety, his presence is our peace. And so what happens when we get his presence, when we get his presence and we get into his presence? Paul gives us three things. He says, joy, peace, and protection. So at the beginning, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let's say that together, rejoice. Rejoice. Exactly. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is near. So do not be anxious is not about mustering enough strength or, you know, tamping down on your emotions or praying with the right formula or praying with the right fervency or pretending to feel something that you're not feeling. Do not be anxious. This phrase that he uses is set in this context of God's presence. And as a a result of his presence, not something that you can do in and of yourself, but as a result of God's presence, you can rejoice despite Rejoice actually means to hail, to acclaim. These are words that we don't use very often in modern English. To hail, to acclaim, to glorify, to applaud, to commend, to greet, to exalt. 
the presence of the Lord. That's what you're doing when you're welcoming the presence of God into your life. We redirect our minds from the anxious things to the ever-present, ever-near, closer than your own breath, creator of the universe, at hand, Lord. And what else happens? We have joy, we have peace. He says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all our all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then in verse nine, he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me, let me repeat that slowly. In verse seven, he says, and the peace of God. And then in verse nine, he says, the God of peace. And in my mind, this is not an accidental phrasing. This is not a careless or happenstance amalgamation of words. This, this is Paul on purpose showing us, demonstrating to us that the peace of God is the God of peace. Let me say that again. The peace of God is the God of peace. The final thing that Paul talks about as a result of God's presence is that he guards our hearts. He he garrisons our hearts. I actually think the translation should use the word garrison. It's a very militaristic term. Um, a garrison is a, is a station of soldiers outside the walls that are going to be the first line of defense against an encroaching enemy. So when you, when you think about it that way, uh, the peace of God is outside of your heart and your mind, guarding against those things that want to encroach in and take control of your thoughts. And finally, he says, the peace of God is not just a better understanding. It's a, it's a divine experience. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's something that exceeds or surpasses understanding. I know that's hard to, to understand. I don't even understand it. I think the best word to describe it is mystery. Um, but God's peace transcends our understanding. You weren't meant to understand God's peace. Yes, you can think on it, you should dwell on it, but it's, it's gonna be something that's beyond your understanding, not just a better understanding. So God gives us his presence. What else does he give us? He gives us his people. Um, he gives us each other, one another. Look around the room right now. No, seriously, look around the room. Like, these are the people that God has placed you in community with for the good or the bad. Here's your people, people. Um, maybe, maybe you've heard this phrase before. Uh, and if you have, shout it out. We don't just attend church. We, yeah, one more time. We don't just attend church. We are the church. So who is Paul writing to in this letter? Us, yeah, he's writing to the Philippian church. He's writing to us, the, the modern church. Um, and, and, I, and this just hit me like a ton of bricks. Our, our Western kind of particularly American church interprets the New Testament, especially through a very rugged individualist kind of framework, right? Um, that's the way we're brought up. Uh, that's, that's part of our, our American identity is, is individualism and, and uh, you know, work hard and, and, and succeed. Um, and that, there's nothing wrong with that, but it is wrong to be thinking uh, 
so individually when you're looking at uh, the New Testament because um, what Paul is really saying here is all of his verbs and all of his pronouns are plural. So uh, let, let me illustrate. He's not just talking to you and he's not just talking to Rick or Bill. Um, he's not just talking to Chuck. He, he's talking to all of us together at the same time. And so our individualist thinking, we think we read the word you in the New Testament and we think, oh, he's talking to me. Um, and our plain English doesn't do us any favors uh, because you can be both you singular and you plural. Um, I read one commentary that says, most languages don't endure this ambiguity. And deep down, we don't like it either. That's why English speakers in different regions come up with colloquial terms to differentiate between the two. And so as my friends from Georgia, Bill and Randy Nixon would say, y'all, right? Or uh, maybe uh, you guys, or uh, you lot. I never heard that one before. Um, apparently, if you're in Scotland, you say use. Um, and to refer to uh, uh, a group of people, if you're from Liverpool, you say use. Um, and even, uh, how about this one? Use guys, you know, New York or Philadelphia, maybe. Um, and so, interestingly, the biblical Greek differentiates between you, singular, and y'all, you, plural. And in this passage, again, Paul's verbs and pronouns are all plural. So when Paul says rejoice, he means rejoice, y'all. Isn't that different? You know, he's not just telling you to rejoice alone in your closet during your private prayer time. He's saying all y'all rejoice together at the same time. When he talks about letting people see your consideration and all you do, he's not just speaking to you. He's speaking to you as part of your group, the church, the people that God has placed you in community with. So the same is true when he says, remember, don't worry and pray. These are corporate instructions for the church, for our church. So can we interpret those passages individually? Absolutely. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with taking Paul's direction for the church and applying it to ourselves individually. We should do that, but not only that. If we do that, we miss out on an important direction in our cor corporate church life. So uh, believers, li listen to me. Anxiety is not and should not be an individual's problem. It belongs to us together, right? When one member of the body hurts, we all hurt. Paul provides these instructions, not just to you, but to y'all, because God gives us his people, others, the church, to help us to be anxious for nothing. So God's presence is our peace. He infiltrates the lives of people who are also at hand in their presence, right? It's God in us. Let me give you a personal example. Um, I, I mentioned uh, eight years ago, uh, about four years ago, I, I had been managing my anxiety really well. 
And uh, about four years ago, there was a men's conference at K2. And Dave asked me to help set up and, and run a table. And I, I jumped in. And uh, let me tell you, I, I love God and I love his word. I love the church. I love my people from church. Um, but I'll confess, I did not want to be there. Um, and maybe you've had those, those moments. Um, if, if, if you haven't, then that's awesome. Um, but despite you know, having this love for God and, and the church and his word, I didn't want to participate. And I did anyway, and on the way home, I was just in a bunk. And my, my buddy, Eric, who's been my Life Together partner since day one that uh, my family attended this church, um, drove me home that night. He knew I wasn't feeling okay, but we talked and he empathized and he listened to me and he made it okay for me to feel the way I was feeling and didn't condemn me, right? I didn't have to feel like less of a Christian. And that was because God was using Eric to remind me of his love for me, even in that dark moment. The next day I pushed forward, I sat at the table, tried to run the group conversation. And as we got into that first discussion, I was just absolutely overcome. I, I had no emotional gas in the tank. I was overwhelmed. And later on, believe it or not, as, even though as I've struggled with anxiety, this was the first time I recognized what a panic attack was. And my buddy Bill, who was at the table, somehow either explicitly or tacitly, I'm not sure, he recognized what was happening. And God bless Bill because he took over the table. He said, Mike, that's okay. Go take care of yourself. I got this. I'll run this for you. Um, so they graciously excused me. And then all of the guys from my Life Together group, word went out, Mike's not doing okay. Word went out and they texted me, they called me with phone calls, with encouragement, with prayer. And I didn't sink into that level that I had been eight years or four years prior, eight years ago, um, where I was having dangerous thoughts and condemning thoughts and controlling thoughts and harmful thoughts. So like Jesus, they were at hand. They were near in my life. Um, so God gives us his presence and God places us in community because we're not meant to go it alone. He says, lift your prayers together, y'all. Join our prayers together. Together, we can be free from these anxious and controlling thoughts because his presence is our peace. And a lot of times his presence comes through the people he's placed us in community with. So what is Paul telling the church to do when, his, when its members experience anxiety? He says, practice. Remember the Lord is at hand and his presence is our peace. Pray together with thanksgiving. Make your request together to God. So what should we do if we aren't experiencing anxiety or what should we do to help others from experiencing controlling anxiety? I love how he ends this passage. He says, think about all the good things that God allows us to experience, right? Think about things that remind us of God's presence, that equip us through God's people and remind us of God's redemptive purposes. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, 
pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting them into practice. So I'm done, but that's what we're gonna do. So I'm gonna invite the worship team up at this time. And uh, hopefully, uh, I haven't been too engaging and you've actually been writing a few things down on your own. Um, And so uh, I I just wanna encourage you to write down on your little sticky notes, your little dealy bobs, things from these, this Philippians 4, 8 category. What is, what is true in your life? Uh, a couple of things that come to mind quickly. God's word is true. Jesus is the truth. How about the certainty of mathematics? That's truth, right? Think about what a blessing it is that our world that God created is predictable because of the certainty of math. Like that's an odd thing, but it's a blessing. Think about what's honorable, like a job well done, uh, when something that's right when a particular injustice that just gets under your skin is corrected. Think about something that's pure. For me, I thought about a new baby smile or that first little giggle when they start to develop personality. Last night, I walked out to get my mail and I thought, man, the air smells awesome. It was lovely. And think about the loveliness of our classic Utah sunrises and sunsets. What's admirable? Maybe for you, um, it's a piece of art or poetry that uh, really speaks to you and contains meaning beyond words, right? These are blessings. These are things that God encourages us to think about. Um, so try to write at least one. And if you're, you're struggling, I, I just encourage you to pray that the Holy Spirit will open your mind to something wonderful. Um, if possible, write as many things as you can think of. You don't have to come up with one for each category. Maybe you have eight things that are true. Um, that's fine. Do your best. But as we uh, begin worship, uh, please feel free to take your sticky notes and place them on this board, stick them on this board. And then as we close the service, I'm gonna ask you to do something special with those. Um, in addition, as worship happens, um, I'd like to invite the, uh, the prayer teams up that I had spoke to ahead of time. So mom and dad, uh, uh, Eric and Chris and uh, Derek and... Um, you all know who you are. Y'all see what I did there? Um, and so we all carry around a lot of junk, right? We talked about it at the beginning. Um, and if, if you need prayer, if you're like Epaphroditus and you have that very heavily, heavy emotional burden, you have anxious thoughts. If you're like Paul who has grief upon pain, um, if you're worried about anything, please, Let's make our requests known to God together with thanksgiving, right? He gives us us to do this. He's telling us, church, do this together. And so I really wanna do this uh, with you. Um, So as worship begins, uh, feel free to uh, place your your, uh, Philippians 8 categories here. If you need prayer, please come forward. Let me say one more thing. Um, maybe, Maybe you don't know Jesus personally, Um, I don't know what your situation is, but I know it's real possible that despite everything that I said, that the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you right now. 
maybe, maybe the anxiety that you carry is due to a sin in your life that you've been carrying around and you know that it keeps you separated from God and you're, you're tired and worn out and you're fed up with carrying around and it's just weighing on you, it's crushing and, and, and it keeps you nervous. Um, and you know deep down that you need the presence of God in your life. And you, you need that savior who took your sin to the cross so that you could be reconciled to God and live your life in his kingdom, not yours. So if you need that ever present at hand Lord and a community of like-minded believers to experience not just life with, but the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, then you too come forward and let prayer teams help introduce you to Jesus. So again, if you need to pray with others with thanksgiving about your anxiety, if you wanna get to know Jesus for the first time, uh, please come, let's pray together. Um, And then the band is gonna lead us into the presence of God. And so um, if you're still writing, please go ahead and finish that. Um, But let's stand together and uh, pray and worship our God together.